0: Welcome to the TMR Podcast with your host, James Fisher, Editor-in-Chief of the Miramichi Reader Online Literary Magazine. So sit back, relax, and put a bookmark in that book you're reading, no dog-earing, and enjoy the TMR
1: Podcast. Hi, I'm James Fisher, the Editor-in-Chief of the Miramichi Reader. Canada's best regarded source for the best in new literary releases and the home of Canada's most inclusive book reviewers. This is episode 13 of season 2. The Miramichi Reader website, its weekly newsletter, and this podcast is made possible by our subscribing members through our Patreon account. To become a member, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash themiramichireader. For less than the price of a good cup of coffee per month, you can support what we do at The Miramichi Reader. I'll provide a link on the main podcast page. In this episode, we have an interview with Sidney Hegele, the author of the award-winning short story collection, The Pump, in which we talk about, Will resuming in-person book launches give neglected pandemic releases a second life? nightmares and dreaming, and the resulting hyper-realism of her writing, the cover art for The Pump, her unique writing space, and her upcoming happy event. I'll be right back with my interview with Sydney Hegley. Welcome, Sydney Hegley, to the TMR Podcast. It's a great pleasure to have you here.
0: Thank you so much. I'm really excited to virtually be here.
1: Yes, I, that's the thing I love about Zoom is um, like we did a we did an interview by email before, which I posted mm-hmm. on the the T, uh, TMR uh, website, but doing one live and, and seeing the person it's it's totally different and, and you can chat and yeah, you know, you'll say something. I'll pick up a thread there, and and you know, we can go with that. So it's a little more, it's a little more informal, and it's a little more fun, and it's a little more mm-hmm. informative too.
0: I agree. It's more organic.
1: I think. Yes. Um, so I guess Zoom is here to stay. Probably. Uh, I was at a, I was at an in-person book launch on the weekend here in Mary Machine. Oh wow. And yeah, and uh, just a small gathering, but um, it's nice to have them back again. Mm-hmm. And um, hopefully what are things like in toronto are there are there events going on there
0: it's an interesting variation, I think. I think some people aren't quite ready to go back to the full launches yet, especially right in the city. But some people have had have had smaller events at pubs and smaller bookstores. I actually, when my book came out in September twenty twenty one, that was when Omicron was sort of um, coming in properly, and right. so I never actually did any in person events until the fold festival of this year. And so now I have a few events slated for the summer that are kind of my first in-person events with people since the book came out. So it's been really exciting.
1: Yeah, it's good. Now, I'm just sort of wondering, is this going to give uh, your book like a second life, so to to speak, or, uh, you know, as well as other books that came out during the height of the pandemic and they kind of got lost or, you know, not promoted like they would have been normally?
0: I hope so. I think a lot of people that I know, myself included, but more so people whose books came out in 2020 when we didn't have a lot of the infrastructure in place to to do virtual book launches and things are went through this period of mourning what they thought being a first-time author would be and like what it would look like to go on book tour and sign your books for people and do in-person readings and to feel the audience energy and all of these things that authors love so much and that you especially if you've been wanting to be an author for such a long time that you really do dream about. Right. (laughs) And, and to sort of sit alone at home in front of your computer and press a button and read to a bunch of um, blank zoom boxes is a strange, strange sensation. Right. And so I definitely, I've, I have a few friends um, who have written books since their pandemic books came out and so a, a lot of those original books um i w- would like to see really get a second wind but a lot of my friends um who had books come out in the pandemic have more books out currently that yeah. they're getting to promote and things like that and they've been able to thankfully sort of promote more than one book at a time which is yeah. really nice yeah. yes
1: that's true um, this this author that at the book launch was saying how books um, like a, a public publisher could accept your book like this year mm-hmm. uh, but it may not get you know hit the market until two years from now um, yeah just because of the way the process works yeah so um, hopefully we'll you know we're seeing a lot of books come out now the fall titles are coming out being released so I'm just wondering if some of those Uh, Other authors are kind of getting left in the dust, you know, that we've, a lot of people have moved on, publishers have moved on to the newer books, newer authors.
0: I really, really hope not. I hope that that we're able to sort of um, give those books the resources and time that they deserve and that everybody deserves that sort of celebration of them and their work when they release a book it's such a big thing right especially if you're in a smaller community with a smaller press you don't have access to a lot of those extra resources and like one in-person reading surrounded by friends could really make the entire experience for you right so uh, I think it's important that we're we're not forgetting about the pandemic books
1: right and maybe there, there should be a whole maybe shelf or section. Yeah. In bookstores. <laughs> oh, exactly. You may have, <laughs> you may have missed this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And another thing that kind of leads me to the same question about uh, promoting books is the um, awards. Mm-hmm. And uh, The Pump has, uh, was the winner of the Relit Award for short fiction, uh, 22, 2022 uh, Relit Award. It was a finalist for the uh, 2022 Trillion Book Award. Mm-hmm. So these kind of awards uh, keep the book in the public eye, don't they?
0: It seems like it. Yeah. Well, especially I've reprints and things when books get stickers definitely uh, help sales. And I know that when um, for certain awards anyway, sometimes publishers get a little bit of promotion money that, especially independent publishers tends to to help a lot just in terms of getting the book out into people's eyes and hands yeah Mm -hmm. like I hear something talked about in independent publishing quite a bit about um, selling one copy of a book at a time. Right. And it's about getting one reader at a time, Mm -hmm. one book in one person's hand to read your book. And it really is that kind of game. Um, And so the, it's like, I wish that there were enough resources for, for everyone's book to, to get the worthy attention that it, Deserves, but it definitely, I think, um, during awards season, particularly, I think those books um, get a little more extra resources, which is nice. But it's 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 even nicer to see uh, that we're widening our perspective on what is an award-worthy book, and mm-hmm. we're we're widening the canon of. Canadian literature in whose stories are important, what kinds of stories are important, what kinds of people get to tell the award-winning stories and things like that. It's been awesome to see so many independent presses, so many marginalized authors, so many stories that you don't usually get to hear getting a lot more attention.
1: Yes, yes. So uh, yeah, especially like you know, in, Indigenous uh, voices, oh, exactly. uh, yeah. Black Lives Matter um lgbt lgbt sorry i no. always i always get, get tongue tied on that one but uh yeah, so like you said all these marginalized people and yeah. um, they, they now have a voice it seems and it, publishers certain publishers cater towards certain um you know groups too of people uh, like to promote their their type of uh, writing so um kind of makes me think like would would the pump have been published 20 years ago 25 years ago maybe not if it's it would have been seen as two out there probably
0: it's it's interesting because books like my book are are seen as two out there now right like I <laughs> I I the book was reviewed in the Toronto Star when it first came out and I was very very grateful to, to Stephen Petel who wrote that review but there were There were moments in which um, the the queer aspects of the book, the queer characters and narratives, were referred to as experimental. Hmm. And, you you know, for 2022, it's interesting that um, the, the literary canon of awards and things is you would think there are so many more queer authors and queer stories being shared yet um the stories that we kind of put up on a pedestal and give more attention aren't usually those kinds of stories to the point in which when a book gets attention that's telling a different story from the norm it's seen as experimental and oh you're trying something new but i i really hope that i get to a point in which in which it's like oh another Another uh, small town queer below mm. the poverty line, weird beaver eating book in that <laughs> tradition. I really, it's like, like, like. My goal has never been to reinvent the wheel and to be like as experimental as possible and create something new. I just want to tell my truth as I know it and share interesting work through my life perspective in order to make space, uh, for other people to also tell their stories until there are just so many interesting queer small town stories that you can take your pick of whichever you want.
1: Mm-hmm. Good. I, uh, I read uh, through the pump on the, uh, this weekend past, because I wasn't the one who reviewed it for the Miramichi reader mm-hmm. there was another uh, Anuja Var- uh, Varghese uh, reviewed it and um, and she really liked it
0: mm-hmm.
1: so i thought well if i'm going to be speaking to the author i better read the book because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't like interviewing people where i haven't read the book because sure. you know it just it's just it doesn't flow and it's not it's kind of awkward but um, i enjoyed it i mean i it's not the type of book i would have picked up to read mm-hmm. um myself not because of the content or anything i'm just it's just you know i'm more traditional literary uh, literary fiction yeah not, and i prefer nonfiction actually most of the time but but uh, i like fiction for a good escape and and certainly the pump is is a good escape from reality.
0: Yeah, it's, it's an escape of sorts. I would say. unless sure. you're living
1: in the pump, and then it's there's no escape, no, right? No,
0: exactly. But, but it's all right because the people living in the pump don't realize that it is the pump.
1: So it's right, okay. so. right. And uh, so a couple of the reviews I was reading through on your uh, website, uh, nice website, by the way. Oh, thank you. Uh, and I, I, I like I like the. Uh, cover a uh, front page picture too of you in the
0: uh oh thank you that's by uh sarah Bodry in toronto a wonderful photographer
1: it was nice a black suit and a white shirt very mm-hmm. very formal looking <laughs> <laughs> um so a lot of the reviews uh, they mentioned the word nightmarish anuja mentioned uh, in her review nightmarish magic um and a few other ones use that term too but um are you a person who has nightmares? Are you a big dreamer?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Nightmares. I've always had an interesting relationship with nightmares. I feel like, like as someone um, who who has post traumatic stress disorder, um, I, I, um, nightmares have always been an interesting thing for me. This interesting disconnect between feeling caught in a space between dreaming and waking sometimes like when you you have things like nightmares and flashbacks and things it could be definitely difficult uh to to discern even as wild as experiences are sort of what are where the line is between uh real and not real and dreaming and waking right and I think a lot of that comes across in in all of the writing i do sort of hyper realism um t- tipping into surrealism and magic realism at certain moments sort of breaking through that barrier he had always grounded in these hyper realistic sort of details and elements that seem as though um they seem so absurd that if they couldn't be real yet they feel as though you're they're memories of your own sort of right and so it's this interesting i've always found it uh impossible to to write from any other sort of perspective because that's a lot of what my experience is
1: Mm, mm, that's fascinating fascinating um interesting to hear you describe that too it's very good um so i'm always a person interested in dreams myself i probably you know dream every night something and i wish you know i could some way of recording it because it's some of it's fantastic stuff. Other times it's just, <laughs> you know, work related stuff and, or trauma from past work lives and things. See like if that.
0: you, I, I w- went through a few years where I wrote down all of my dreams every single night
1: Yes, and
0: yeah. it, it actually strengthens your dream memory. So it allows you to remember your dreams more often and dream more frequently. But for me, it also increased um, sleep paralysis, which is is a very scary, scary thing in which you like wake up and you can't move.
1: Yeah. You've
0: woken up. And so I stopped recording my dreams after that.
1: I guess. Wow. Yeah, That, that would be scary. Um, I don't think I've ever, ever experienced anything like that but I mean I've 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 had dreams where I've called out because I was being attacked by something yeah and uh, you know my wife will say you you know you, you said something or I heard you say mm. something but in in your dream you're screaming but in real life it's you just probably just a soft moan or something like that yeah something out, like you know? that um so anyways back to the pump um it's your first book says yes and congratulations <laughs> on how well it's doing thank you um, it's um i think even from the cover um i was talking to someone else today about book covers and uh i said like the pump it would be a book i'd pick up just to look at the cover
0: oh right oh um, yes and
1: and for those of our audience who haven't seen it it's a uh, it's a it's a uh bathtub um with two beavers in it and uh some toxic water uh, bathing mm-hmm. in toxic water mm-hmm. and I think one of them has a they have bloody teeth anyways yeah right?
0: uh, and a human ear
1: oh is that what it is it's an ear Yeah, a
0: human ear and some oh. trillium flowers <laughs> yes
1: <Yeah. laughs> so therefore I mean it's worth the cover is worth the price alone but um, <laughs> but uh, of course see, it's what the inside that counts so did you have any involvement in the in the cover art or you know, because because the cover is like perfect for the book.
0: Yeah, so normally um, with my publisher, Invisible, um, they have an amazing, amazing cover artist, Megan Fields, um, who did not do my cover, but did little aspects of, of the cover art. But before I was with Invisible, um, I was with another publisher who sort of said, um, if you can find a cover artist who you like, and work with them, um, we will hire them on to mm. do your cover. Um, and so I spoke to, I was living in London, Ontario at the time. And I spoke to a friend of mine, artist, Jeremy Bruniel, um, who just makes beautiful, beautiful, really large, interesting, surrealist paintings. Mm. And I said, hey, I have this book. I'll send you a word document with my weird, weird book inside it. Um, I have an idea in my head exactly of what I want. If it covered to look like I want two beavers and camp sweaters and a bathtub. There's there's a bathtub scene in the pump. Um, and on the, the, the back of the book, I want my childhood car sinking into a swamp. And he went, yeah, yeah, I'm really into that. And he drew me up, uh, copies of it and we went back and forth and this is actually just a scan of a gigantic painting that he still has like a wall-sized oh. giant painting oh. that he did and he just scanned it to put on to the cover for me yeah. so it exists at his house as like a giant beavers and bathtubs painting wow. very cool <laughs> yeah
1: and it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a very enigmatic uh, uh, picture. And uh, so it kind of speaks to what's in, what the, what the reader can expect inside, I think, yeah, or, or at least yeah. make them curious enough to, you know, start reading it, but you know, what's going on so. with these beavers here. And
0: we had to go back and forth a few times of, Oh, I think those beavers look too happy. Yeah. We need to really make them not look cuddly. It's yeah. not, it's not a teddy bear picnic. It's, it's, we need to make them um not horror but definitely uh strange and ominous so.
1: yes very good um yes i really enjoyed the book uh, a very different kind of read and um and like i said it's done very well uh, winning awards being shortlisted uh finalists so uh, it's well deserving of of recognition that it's got i, I feel thank you um, uh, so a lot of things uh, in our interview, I'm not going to go over again, because uh, it's it's there. And, and I'll put a
0: yeah,
1: I'll put a link to it in my notes on the podcast. Um, but one interesting thing, uh, as I was reading back on it was, I asked you about your writing space. Yes. And you said you write everything on?
0: Oh, on my phone. Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. So I actually so I've, I've, I have advanced a little bit sometimes one step up from my phone and I'll explain this, but normally I do, I, I write a script on my phone. I write all of my dialogue and every scene first just with brackets in between of, of basically stage directions and all of it is in script. And then I transfer it over to my computer and then I write t- descriptions and, you know, thoughts of characters and things and setting in between all of my dialogue it's always just dialogue first even if and if scenes don't have any dialogue it's just brackets of movements and brackets of like insert description of a tree here and i have it all structured in my mind and then i go and i do it but i recently bought this early 2000s contraption called you obviously can't see it on the podcast it's called a neo 2 and it's just a calculator and a keyboard yeah and it's just little and you can carry it around anywhere you can travel with it and it's it just types three lines at a time kind of like a typewriter and you can type as much as you want on it and plug it into your computer and it all goes into a word document and it's the greatest because you don't have to like answer your email while you write and things like that i'm an easily distracted human being yes I think that's why I find it very difficult to sit and type out something for the very first time on my computer. I am compelled to answer emails, to check other things. It feels very high stakes to be putting a first draft right into like the word document, I think. And so it's easier for me to do it on something else and then just fix it on my computer.
1: I thought, well, that's like, I, you know i have a hard time typing out a text <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> well i also um fun fact i can't type on a keyboard normally i type with one finger yeah and i wrote two books like that right <laughs> so i and like it's very fast yeah that's still only I just type with one finger.
1: You mean one finger in each hand?
0: No, I don't.
1: Oh, just one finger. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I mean, I'm, I'm, I I guess I'm a little better than that. But I mean, I'm no, No. I you know, my wife, when, uh, when she was doing a lot of secretarial work could, you know, type, could type a lot that's yep.
0: very impressive to me. Like, like yeah. I can type very quickly, but it looks chaotic and people sort of look at me strangely yeah. when I do it. <laughs>
1: okay. So <laughs> well, that's good. Well, whatever works for you, right? Yes. For I you. Believe that. And um, so it doesn't matter how you, how you write or what you write on as long as it comes through in the end. I uniform. agree. Yeah. Good. Um, so just, to, we just have a couple more minutes here. Uh, So we learned some interesting things about you, uh, about your typing skills, (laughs) Um, your dream worlds, nightmares, something else exciting going on in your life. I understand it involves a bit of a name change.
0: Oh, yes. I'm getting married in October. So that's very exciting. I changed my name earlier because um, my my second book is about to go in submission. And so, so I wanted to, and I knew I was going to change my name in October, but wanted the, the new book to be under my new name. So that's I changed nice. my name earlier. So that's been very exciting. It's been kind of chaotic promoting one book, writing another book and planning a wedding at the same time. Yes. it a lot, but it's yes. still, it's, I'm very, very grateful that all of it, it's a good, busy right
1: yes so. that's right yeah happy things right yeah um and that was going to lead me to another question so it's that's this october
0: it is this october
1: wow it be gonna come fast it's gonna be. oh fast. oh
0: it's already yes yes okay. it's it's i'm i'm um I, I, I had to purchase 100 stamps today yeah <laughs> and for, for some reason like people my age just don't send a lot of a lot right. of hard copy mail yes I guess in my head I thought stamps were still like 10 cents a stamp like, okay. I just thought that that was how much stamps were yeah were like more than a dollar a stamp like yes. I paid like a hundred dollars for my stamps today and I was like wow like it, I feel like a pioneer this is incredible <laughs> this is inflation <laughs> this is this is so many things that I didn't expect the more you know
1: yeah that's true uh yeah uh, my wife buys stamps at costco actually because i think you costco
0: it, oh they're cheaper at costco
1: yeah you can get the, you can get the roll of stamps oh i think yeah i think for a bit of a discount
0: mm. yeah good to um, know
1: yeah there we go there's a tip for you <laughs> so um just quickly we we only have them on the free version of zoom so we have like seven minutes left okay here according to this so uh you're living in toronto
0: i am um,
1: i'm an ex-torontonian
0: an ex-torontonian yeah
1: <laughs> wasn't born in toronto but i lived there for 20 years Ooh. and uh, we moved out here to miramichi in 2008. so i'm always interested like you know when you say oh you meet someone from toronto Oh, whereabouts did you live in toronto they want to know whereabouts you live so oh, oh i don't want to I... know your exact address you just tell me no no you.
0: i live um like two feet from the sky dome oh yeah yeah wow like right like spadina and king kind of
1: yes yeah nice yeah i'm familiar with the
0: The streetcar right in front of my house and when i would like i grew up in grimsby but i was born in toronto okay and when i was really little i lived on palmerston
1: okay yeah yeah Yeah. that's in the um I'm trying to think of the name of the area. Um, anyways, it's around Queen, uh, Queen and uh, well, Sydney.
0: I don't remember. Is, <laughs> I was so small. This is old age. Oh, no.
1: I'll remember. After Toronto Rocky. people are
0: going to call in. They're going to be like, you guys. Yeah. We <laughs> <they> butchered it.
1: I <laughs> nah, don't worry about that. Um, so I lived in several different places in Toronto, like Queen and Roncesvalles and, um, mm-hmm. and uh, Queen West. Um, but I know where Palmerston is. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm just going to wrap up here. I want to thank you very much. This has been very entertaining, fun, and informative. Thank you. And, uh, I I hope it's been the same for you. Um, Certainly has. Is it you want to give a uh a, sh- a shout out or anything coming up uh, so you mentioned you have a second book in submission
0: oh my gosh it's about to go i just got my revision notes back today for my latest draft and so it's going out really really soon
1: and uh um, can you say the publisher or not yet okay
0: i cannot say any of that yet but okay. it is a novel it's a okay. novel
1: yeah and i saw something on instagram you're working on the third one is that right i
0: am <laughs> I had, I had a three week break waiting for my revision notes back. And I was like, well, might as well start book free. You know how it is.
1: Good. Um, so I'll put a link to your Instagram account because, uh, you're quite active on Insta and, uh, very interesting. And what's your doggie's name?
0: Sloan. She's named after Ferris Bueller's girlfriend, Sloan Peterson in Ferris Bueller's day off.
1: Okay. All right. Her name is Sloan. And how old is she?
0: She is four years old and she is a French bulldog with a little bit of Boston Terrier.
1: Yes. Okay. Yes. I've seen her. I've seen her pictures on Instagram too. So yeah, (laughs) very nice. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Sydney, for joining uh, me on the TMR podcast.
0: Thank you. It was lovely to join you.
1: What a fun interview that was to do. Authors uh, talking to them is really a very, very interesting. I'm fascinated by all of them. And Sydney was no exception. (laughs) Did you know that the Miramichi Reader has a sister site called Miramichi Flash? Each month, Miramichi Flash publishes four unique examples of the best flash fiction to be found globally. It is meticulously curated by Karen Schauber, who is a flash fiction author herself. Check it out at MiramashiFlash.ca. Finally, if you have enjoyed listening to this TMR podcast, please leave a five-star rating which assists others in finding us in the vast podcast universe. Thank you very much and I certainly appreciate you taking the time to do so. So that's all for this episode, episode 13 of season two and thank you once again for listening and we'll see you again soon.
0: The Mirror Machine Reader, Canada's best regarded source for the finest in new literary releases. Visit mirrormachinereader.ca.